Thank you, Glenn. I feel your love, and I hope you feel mine also. He's a good guy, that one. This was his idea, this in his image. It was also his idea that I take the last spot. I tried my best to put the better man in the spot, and uh, I obeyed him when I said, okay, I'll do it. So here we are in his image, bringing this uh, chapel series home. It's been an, you know, let's just start out with the basics. We've heard this almost every chapel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As Richie said at the very beginning, and did so well, this is the temple that God built for himself. And then in the context of the culture that Moses was writing in, he put his image in that temple. Because Richie quoted from Isaiah 66 saying, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. And so here we are. We are the image bearers. We are the, in the context of that early culture, the idols that others could relate to. Okay, we've got our little temple here, and this is our, our little Buddha or whatever it is that we've got, and we respect that within that you know, faith walk. And then these followers of the Creator are saying, whoa, this entire universe is the temple of their God? This is an apt comparison. This is an amazing picture. And we are the unworthy carriers, aren't we? What a privilege. So Richie set the table for us at the very beginning. Being made in his image, we've looked at a few different things, especially in relationship. Um, but I'm going to just expand that, that look a little bit today. Um, we, we are re relational, as God is within the Trinity, as God is within the angels. We are um, rational decision makers, as He is. We are caretakers of creation, and we follow Him in His creative work. We are here to continue creating. There are new things under the sun. Um, Solomon was having a bad day when he said there weren't. Um, then Satan stepped in. I know, I've got a few of you. Oh, no, he just, no. I think that there are new things. I think spring is a new time, and, and there's so on. So let me just get away with that one. But being made in the image of God, the real key here, the real key is that everyone has inherent value. Everyone has worth. They are worthy. Every person is worthy of dignity. Every person is worthy of respect, regardless of um, whether they're unborn, regardless of whether they are handicapped, aged, infirmed, or able-bodied. Everyone has worth. It is on this cornerstone that all of the built-in plumb lines that we call justice hang. When we hear about slavery out of, let's say, Cambodia, and we want to go and help rescue the person who is enslaved, it's because they're made in the image of God. It's because they deserve more. They deserve the same freedom that God intended for them. So in this very early time, this was the picture that God had. And Satan came along, and 
he sees these images, and it had to make him just very, very troubled, very irate that every person reminded him of God. And so there's no other way to look at it but to say, we should be very aware that we have an enemy. He wishes to destroy every person, every soul, every unborn child that he can get before they come to life as a breathing life. He wants to stop. Every person, every one of you, he has an angle on how to figure that out. Every image carrier. Because each one reminds him of the God of the universe. And it's like having one massive headache. And we've got population explosion. He has a growing headache. The good news is we have a God who is ever-present. Satan has a growing problem with our population growth. You see it? Each one has value. And Satan is determined to destroy each one. You will be among those. Every one of you. Some of you have seen it already, and it'll come back. And uh, there are ways to work through that. That's what this chapel is about. So we're created. Our highest calling is to bear or carry or reflect His image. We need to be faithful to Him, to be His representatives or His ambassadors. That is our high call. In whatever we do, whether it's working on a farm, putting pipes together in plumbing, working in a church, going overseas, whatever it is, our highest call in each of our cultural callings is to be his ambassador. Love the kid, keep him in. In his first days, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Care for creation or have dominion over it. Influence it and make culture in it. I'm expanding on that. But he said, be fruitful and multiply. Care for creation and what? Keep the Sabbath. Okay. He gave us a holiday. So these are the three things. Be fruitful and multiply. Um, I, I, I think in the midst of all of our talk about sex and all that kind of stuff, we, um, I, I don't know that anybody said sex is good, but it is, and it gets better because a person is faithful, when a person is faithful. So I'd like to ask you, as you have a potential of being married, that you choose now to be faithful. Loyalty is a very high value, and it will make your lives so much better. If there's any common theme coming out of Hollywood right now, I think it's that if people could keep their privates in their pants, they'd be a whole lot better off in their careers. Yeah? So even Hollywood is recognizing that there's this amazing problem in culture, and the problems are compounded by cheating. And those of you who are going into ministry, I want to say this right now, Ah, decide now, decide today that you're not going to, whatever it is, cheat or whatever it is. Uh, don't go there. Decide today that when you're in that church and there's someone who comes to you and you go, oh my goodness, this person is beautiful and I'd like to, you know, go further, figure out a way because it will haunt you for years, for decades. And I'd rather you not. It can destroy your church. It can destroy your home. It can destroy your career. It can destroy your relationship with God. It doesn't have to, meaning God will redeem that too. And we're good on that. 
but you have a better way. Choose today. Okay, that's it for sex for today. <laughs> I'm going to move on. The highest call, the highest form of humanity, humanity at its best is carrying this image of God. So, in those earliest days, God sent a little bit of light, and it was called the law. So, it was the compass point that people could look to. It was a little bit of light that they could understand what are the really important things within the canon. What are the really important things within the law and the prophets, within the Torah? What is it that really matters? And God provided that little bit of light. Our sin, Adam and Eve's sin, that needed this light to shine against was a sin of disobedience. It was a sin to, in some way, be God rather than follow God, to be His image carrier. And we elevated ourselves. And what did they do? Well, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we could look at them and say, you know, that's, um, that's unfortunate that they did that. But let's not point too many fingers lest we forget that we too eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil quite regularly. Try it after chapel this morning when you sit down and you criticize the chapel speaker. Or <laughs> I'm just looking for a little bit of grief. I mean, a break. Or the music or um, the Sunday morning service, or the neighbor, or your spouse. I don't know of a better way to insult yourself than to, than to um, insult your spouse. So think about that. If you're going to choose someone and love them, don't insult them, right? But we have this propensity to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The conference comes along, and this and that, or the professor, you know, da, da. We and the food in the dining room, yeah, my goodness, that's a target-rich environment. <laughs> and we feast at this tree of the knowledge of good and evil still to this day. And God sent this light, His law. And then, centuries, millennia later, came the ultimate image carrier, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living Creator, the living God, Jesus, who lived a perfect life. He came, what? To do the will of the Father. What was the will of the Father? To save us from our sins. This is now, I'm picking out three notes from, um, from Brexy Cavey. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. It was to save us from our sins, to set up a new kingdom. And then because Bruxy has this favorite soapbox, to shut down religion. And I think he's right. He wanted to shut down, Jesus came to shut down all of the religious systems, whether it was Jewish or all of the others that were around, all of the pagan ones, and bring us into a real relationship with God. I think that the first two are, are the same as the third, to, bring, to set us free and to set up a new kingdom. It brings an end to religion. It brings an end to our striving. It brings cultural harmony, and it brings peace. It's spiritual. It's cultural. It's political. And it's being opened up to us. It's being made available to us through our Savior and Lord. 
Jesus Christ. He invited us to follow, oh boy, I forgot about these things. He invited us to follow his way, imitate his image, the perfect image of, of the Father. He illustrated how to do it. Our mission is to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? Who is the perfect image barrier. And so we look through Christ to the Genesis statement about being image carriers, image bearers. Our mission, how do we do this? It's with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's who Jesus said, I will send and I will ask the Father to send. He said it two different ways. I will send and I will ask the Father to send a comforter, another. It is this Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. This is Romans 8, 26 to 8. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he who searches hearts knows what is the, heart, the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is how this works. It is the power that comes to us. And we know that those who love God, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according, those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is real creativity. Growing the family of God. This is what is our high call. And so we see that we are called to follow, to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say that we're like sailboats. And I, 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 we are not sailors, Elaine and I. Um, but I'm told that, you know, when you put up your sail, you'll go where the wind blows you. Um, that's not entirely true because you can tack against the wind, you can tack into the wind, but on average, if there's no wind, you're going nowhere, right? Put down your anchor and hang on. Wait it out. And then the Spirit comes along and He blows. And that's how we get our power. And that's how we move against the current of culture, is with the power of the Holy Spirit, as He fills our sails, as He pushes us against the trend of society. So let's decide two things. One, when there is no wind, when we feel that God is not moving around us and through us, let's just put down our anchor. Let's use that time to dive into the Word. Let's stay exactly where we are because if He is not wanting to move, none of us want to be moving, right? We want to just stay right there. And number two, when he comes up with the wind and he starts to push on our sails, let's just head exactly where he wants us to. Let's have our compass setting into that. Okay, our text for today is 2 Corinthians 3. If you have your Bibles or your, your electronic Bibles, 2 Timothy 3. We're going to just do a walk through this chapter. The title on the chapter is The New Covenant. This is the new form of the law. So, you might imagine that this is the law. Well, you look that up. And uh, Matt, Paul, I wonder if you could just turn out all the lights. 
Just to illustrate, there's the law in a very dark setting, the law of Moses. And there it is. People can see it. They can set their compass by it. They can even come and study by it. And it's a little hard, and you hope you don't knock the whole thing over. So then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along, and the light comes up. And this kind of just disappears. If, if we, I think the better illustration would be to take it out into the sun, which I think is God's illustration of the importance of the Son of God. But as we get out into the sun, the value of the law kind of falls away. And we're going to see that illustrated in this um, chapter. But here's some interesting stuff. In in we, the setting here is Paul is trying to say, how are you going to have credibility in verse 1? Verse 2. Let me see if I've got it up there. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts. Now, other passages, the, the ESV uses our, other passages say your hearts. Written, that's my footnotes here. Written on your hearts, you are our letter of recommendation, written on your hearts to be known and read by all. We, you, are testaments. You are testimonies. You are the story that God is telling. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Do you see how inspired this is? If we walk close to God, He is immediate and direct active in our lives. It is His Spirit that will guide us. And it's really important to keep connected to Him. And then give Him freedom. We're going to come to that. Verse, verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. I think when Paul wrote verse 3, he realized, oh my goodness, I might have just written heresy because I actually said the Holy Spirit is inspiring you with your story. He's writing it on your hearts. This is surpassing the law. The law doesn't get snuffed out. It just gets overwhelmed with the truth of what God is doing through Christ. And he's trying to figure out, how can I get back? I think Paul is trying to figure out, how can I get back out of this problem that I've said, you know, God is writing the law on hearts. And he says, such is the confidence we have... We'll put it on context. It's with Christ. Okay, and then the Jewish people still have a problem because they didn't accept Christ as their Messiah. We're going to come to that because in the end, when you put Christ into the story of the law, it gets fulfilled. And if you don't, you actually have a veil that blocks it. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. See, Paul's quickly saying, it's not us, it's not us. Don't, don't think that we're going to be little demigods running around with great importance. We are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the, Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the good news. This is the gospel. That we have a God who is alive, died, rose again, ascended in the form of Jesus, 
and is back on earth among us as his spirit. And it's his spirit that's moving. And I think to in any way um, confine the Holy Spirit of God is similar to denying the sonship of Christ in the first century. Why? Because that's who God is. He came as Jesus, not believed by many. He has come again. He is now here among us by the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of what the whole New Testament is about, is this spirit thing. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory, right? It was a big deal. That such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. I'm not sure where these slides are. We've got to put a screen on the back. Oh, yeah. I, I did this list. What is, what, the Spirit came to open hearts to God. Question. Do you have the Spirit working in your life? The answer is, do you have a sense of awe for God? Are you moved, sometimes even to tears, by the music? Do you have a sense of awe? This isn't just emotion. This is the Holy Spirit at work in you. To, re to reveal and glorify Jesus Christ, that was the work, that is the going, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. He came to comfort. He came to bear witness to and teach the truth. Those are two separate things, but they're very related. He came to guide us to truth in our consciences as well as in written and with our friends. He came to convict of sin and righteousness. Many of these come out of John 14. And he came to show the way to freedom. That was my summary of all of it. This is his wish, that we would walk in the freedom of the Spirit. Of course, here's the verse that, that anchors the, the idea that the Holy Spirit is a wind. The wind blows where it wishes. This is John 3. Uh, Jesus is speaking. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. He's describing the Holy Spirit. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This Holy Spirit thing is really important. And when, when the Holy Spirit wants to move, we need to get our sails up, get our rudders down, and get our compass setting. And when he's not moving, let's just anchor in on the word and stay right there and see when he wants to move because he doesn't, I don't believe he asks us to do work. I believe he asks us if he can do his work through us. And there's a difference. If we're going to go out and do work and then we're going to ask him to come along and do it with us, that's ah, kind of good. It's kind of halfway there. But really effective is to say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do through me? I'm a plumber. I'd like to do this for you. I'm a teacher. I'd like to do this for you. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Let's go. All right, let's get back on here. Whoops, I'm going backwards. I think we did that already. Chapter 3. I'm, I'm going to finish that one section uh, because 7 and 8, um, 
will not the ministry of the Holy Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of, the, of condemnation, ministry of righteousness far exceeded it. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. What once had glory has no glory at all. Really? Because of the glory that surpassed it. Because of what Jesus did and because of this new plan of spiritual life. This is still lit. This is still burning. But the glow of what Jesus did is so much more. For what was once being brought to an end came with glory, because the law will come to an end, right? Much more will what is permanent have glory, and this is the new covenant. Since we have such a hope, we are bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted as long as a person, because, they only, because only through Christ is it taken away. If you can't accept Christ, you're not going to understand how this worked. Yet to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, so here's, bring it home here. When one turns to the Lord, so that's key number one. And the Lord in this case is Jesus. Where was I? The veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that an amazing promise? I've heard it said that every promise in the Bible is conditional. I don't think this one is. There are a few times when there are promises in the Bible that are not conditional. Most of them are, if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, this, if you do this. This one is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But there are two sides to the freedom. One, we will be given freedom, right? And the second is, we need to give Him absolute freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I um, brought along a bowl to illustrate this image idea. Let's say that's a little person. And I think if this person could hold air, but didn't have any, it would just go, right? That's kind of like paper dolls. On the other side, if there's air in it, it's kind of like a Michelin man. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. But what this does is it holds liquid, right? It carries liquid. Now, what if someone were to come along and pour acid over it and completely destroy it? Let's say it, can, it changed the glass to clay, created cracks in it, and it was virtually falling apart. That's kind of the image that we are. We're broken. Now, what can happen with this? Well, you could take it like a potter, throw it away. But God said, no, 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 you can still tell it's a bowl. You can still tell there's value there. Let's redeem it. How can we do that? Well, let's fill it with our spirit. 
so that actually the Spirit of God shines through those cracks. And suddenly what was a broken has this beautiful light shining through it. Oh, that he would be the light shining through our cracks, right? That is a great way to be in this world. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We have to be careful not to quench this spirit. What does that mean? Well, that's kind of how we treat others. We can step on each other's feelings so quickly. We have to be careful not to grieve this spirit. These are two different verses. That is how we live our lives. That's our attitude. We have to be careful to allow him to speak into our lives and, and correct our... Um, R.T. Kendall said, this, the stature of our spirituality, the level of our, is inversely proportionate to our ability with, to live with sin in our lives. So the more, if you have something wrong and you can live with it a long time, it suggests you've got some spiritual growth. If, on the other hand, you've got something that's offside, you go, man, I can't live with that. And you go and you correct it. That time fuse is your test of your spiritual stature. If we're filled with the Spirit, we'll have the marks of the Spirit. We'll have the fruit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We are being transformed into His image. So, we are, let's do a review of this chapter. Living Letters from Christ, written by the Spirit of the living God on hearts, not on clay. We are ministers of a new covenant. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here to bring life, that's in verse 6, and here to bring freedom and enjoy freedom in Christ. Therefore, we're commissioned to bear the image of our Creator in our current culture, enabled by the work of Jesus Christ, empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's kind of another way of looking at the Trinity. There are different ways of having this, but this is how we are repaired images, and then we can shine for Him. A long time ago, well, a couple years, I don't know, I remember sort of in prayer up here, and I kind of said this, this line, and I questioned, is it true? After I sat down, oh, i got to get out of there. It's heresy. Um, but it was that I was asking God to give us this greatest gift of all, His Holy Spirit. It comes out of this section in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For this reason I remind you, Paul is talking to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame the gift of God, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Again, Kendall says that fullness of the Holy Spirit is measured by this one verse alone. If you have the Holy Spirit, this will be your marker. This will be your go-to. So, we are co-missioned with God. We are here to do His work. And Jesus said, greater things than I did, you'll do. 
This is our commission for the summer. We hope some of you will come back. This is our commission for your lives. We will be praying with you as you go and for you, and we hope that you'll keep in touch with us. Um, we have, we're done with chapel, so I'm going to just close in prayer, but um, these guys have a song. If you have time to hang around, it's a lovely ending to all of our community chapels. So, Father, we ask that you would give us that greatest gift of all, your Holy Spirit, that we would be uh, good and careful image carriers, that we would nudge our cultures and our churches gently with your Spirit. Guide us, we pray, so that we can serve you and the others around us well. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.